sometimes. So, well, welcome. I am so glad to be here uh, with you in person uh, today. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I did learn some things about, about video preaching, you know. Uh, one of them is that, that uh, you know, some people say it adds 10 pounds. It also adds hair. Did you know that? You know, so, I, so bald is beautiful, amen? Uh, we're going to go with that one way uh, or another. So just uh, uh, real quickly, if you're a guest, my name is Craig Laughlin, and I'm the preaching pastor here at Generations Community. And if you haven't heard, uh, a while back I was diagnosed with a, a tumor in my thigh, and so I'm in a an aggressive chemo uh, program uh, that, that's got me looking like this, and we're trying to figure out how to make this go forward. Uh, so just a couple of things. We're probably looking at two Sundays where I preach personally, this Sunday and next Sunday, and then another Sunday where I, we do uh, a live, uh, not live, ooh, a, uh, a video sermon that we'll record on the Monday before. So uh, if you'd like to be a part of the live studio audience for that Sunday, uh, come the Monday before uh, that, and we'll kind of let you know about that. Um, so how, how did that work? Was that okay? Was that seeing me up on the big screen? Was that uh, good? I hope, I hope that works for you guys. Uh, just a couple things real quick. I've completed my first uh, chemo treatment. I am in the hospital when they do that. So I, w I was, uh, you know, peering in on you through the camera. Welcome to all that join us online. We're really glad you're with us uh, too as well. And when I'm gone, I will be, I'll be watching. So yeah, uh, I'll be a part of that. Uh, the treatment went really well. I got through it really very well. My goal was to be the most boring patient they had, and I was, and so that was good. Although my personality got me in a little bit of trouble because I kept calling the, the, the red chemo dragon's blood, you know. And I got all over the floor, and they're all talking about it. So it's like, well, you're kind of interesting, you know. Um, so I had my last uh, blood work was done Friday to kind of see how I came through it, and I came through it great. My counts are, are really good. Uh, so uh, we're, not, we're just getting started into this, but God seems to be working uh, in all of that, and it's going very, very well. Thank you for your prayers uh, and your support. So what we want to talk about today, I don't want to talk about me. There's something awkward about that. Let's talk about God. How about that, okay? So um, we've been in this series we call The Very Good Life, Created for the Good Life. Uh, and we've been at it for a while, and we're kind of in a subsection of it called uh, The Very Good Life, Some Assembly Required. Because God always works in partnership with us for what he wants to accomplish in us and through us. Uh, and that's just a, a principle from the very beginning with Adam and Eve all the way through to the very end. He wants to partner with you in the work that he has for you and that he wants to do uh, through you. And so we talked last a couple of weeks ago about how Scripture is kind of the roadmap to the very good life that, that God works uh, through Scripture to guide us. You know, if you're going on a journey, you want, you want a good map. Uh, and then how the next week we talked about the Holy Spirit, how it is the Holy Spirit that guides us through that process. Uh, the Holy Spirit is kind of the GPS, uh, and GPS isn't any good without a map, and so those two work in concert. Uh, and what we want to talk about today is the third part of it, uh, and that is this idea of, of the church. And so I, I guess I would say it like this, the very good life equals be the church, okay? Be the ch and, and you know the church isn't this building, right? The church is you. <laughs> Are you sure about that? The church is you. In the Bible, the church is people, not, not things. It's unfortunate that the building we meet in is sometimes called the church. But the church uh, is the people. And so everybody who's a follower of Jesus Christ is a part of the church. So look at your neighbor and say, you're the church. All right, good. Um, and so I want to talk about how important the life of the church, of being the church not just doing church or going to church, but being church is to experiencing uh, the good life. And so I need to talk about what the church means a little bit. Um, and so um, 
if you're in your notes, we're going to have some of these verses. Colossians 1.18 says this. He, that is Christ, is also head of the body. Okay, so there's another word for the church. The body of Christ, the church. The church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So there's the resurrection, right? He's talking about that. So that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And so uh, this is where we get the idea of the church and the idea that Christ is the head of the church, the body of Christ, the church. Uh, And all the rest of us are all the other parts, you know, your elbows and fingers and knees and ankles and, you know, on and on and on. All the diversity that we have in there. Uh, But I want to look at this word church in the original language because because we struggle so much with it today. It's so easy to talk about going to church. You don't go to church, you are the church, okay? The church may gather together, but you are the church. You don't work on the, you know, the the church isn't the building, it's not the place, it is is you. And so uh, the the word church that's in Colossians and every place where you see it is ecclesia. Say ecclesia. Okay, look at the person next to you and say, you are ecclesia. Don't get offended. Trust me, the word is church, okay? Uh, You are ecclesia, and it means assembly. Uh, Sometimes I've heard people say the called out ones. That's also pretty correct. Um, But it's hard to get at the concept of of ecclesia. Uh, And it means the idea that you are a member of an assembly. Even when the assembly isn't gathered, it's not that you're, you're just a member of it when you come to church, that you're church when you come to church. It's the idea that you are church wherever you go and you are a member of that assembly. So it's like if we elect someone to Congress. They are a member of Congress and are expected to behave like it whether Congress is in session or not, right? So if one of you gets a speeding ticket, it doesn't hit the press. But, but if a member of Congress gets a speeding ticket, oh, i got to find out. It'll be in the news somewhere, right? Because there's an expectation about their behavior, whether Congress is in section. They're a member of Congress, whether it's meeting or whether it's not. Or in, in clubs, if you're a member of Rotary, Rotary has expectations about your behavior. It has some values that it lays on its members. And that doesn't mean just when they gather for their Rotary lunch. It means that when you're out in the community, you're expected to behave. You're a part of Rotary. You're a part of this and their expectations. And that's exactly what this is about. You are the church. Okay, and you're expected to behave and live in a way that reflects the the body of Christ. In fact, today we would probably call this community. What do you think of when you think of the word community? Give me some feedback. Neighborhood what? Family. Oh, getting ahead of me here. Good. You guys are so smart. People. Friends. Neighborhood. What? Activities. Yeah. Pardon? Diverse. Yeah. All of those are, are, are really, really good. Uh, and, and part of this, I can tell you've been followers of Christ long enough. You've worked on this a little bit. But, but typically when, when uh, people say community, they think of the, their neighborhood, the people they, they live with and next to and all of that. And so I don't know what your community is like, but there's about 45 homes in, in my little community uh, with one way in and out. So we kind of like that. And, and it's got a lot of young families. Jody and I are kind of the old people, you know, in, in the thing. And, and so that, oh, ain't they cute, you know, and all their kids, we like their kids. And, but, but the truth of the matter is, even with someone like me that really cares about community, I don't know my neighbors very well. I know the people directly to the left of me fairly well because he had been a pastor before and, and they're from Africa, so they got cool stories, you know. And I know the people directly to write because he's Coast Guard and, and they're a young family with kids and a dog. And, and I kind of know the one across the street, a little bit others. Don't know the one directly across the street because they'll never come out and play for some reason, no matter what we're doing. They just stay in there. But the truth of the matter is, when we think of community, 
Typically, we think of people who make somewhere around the same amount of money with us and can afford about the same kind of house as us. That's what we tend to think of. It's the same socioeconomic sort of, sort of thing. And yet, it is so much more. When we use the word community, Jesus means so much more than that. And you guys have kind of gotten onto this already a little bit. Jesus envisioned his church as a living, breathing community of people deeply and authentically connected to one another. I, I love that. I love that. Jesus envisioned his church, you guys, as a living, breathing community of people deeply and authentically connected to one another. And this is what we call around here family. True community for us is family. Friends who have become like family. And our family as well are, are a part of, part of it. It's, it's authentic. It's, it's, it's real. It's up close. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's awkward. Have you ever noticed that family is sometimes awkward? Yeah, I, I love my family, but sometimes it was awkward with my family, you know. And, and sometimes it went sideways, and, and now that I've got, you know, cancer, all these families coming in, and it's just, I, I, I love them. But, but every family is sometimes awkward, and it's sometimes painful. And every family has a weird uncle. And if you don't know who it is in your family, it's you, okay? That, it, that's just the truth, you know. So every family, we've got that. But, but, but we were meant to, meant to live together like this, okay? In fact, the early church lived in small communities. We, we tend to talk about the big gatherings where Paul would preach, but that was much rarer. Most of the time they met in their homes and they took care of each other and they watched over each other and they helped each other and they spent time together and, and, and they got in each other's business. Have you ever noticed like in a small town, everybody's in everybody's business, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a part of it. It's a part of the difficulty, in, in fact, this idea of, 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 of being family together is so important uh, that Jesus prayed for oneness amongst us. This is one of the more amazing passages of Scripture, and I get amazed pretty easily by Scripture, but, but this, this one is just crazy for me. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1, or John chapter 17. We're going to do 20 through 23, and let me set this up for you. This is Jesus at the end of his life. This is his last chance to pray over and bless these disciples who have been with him so long, who he's poured his life into, who have irritated the tar out of him from time to time, who have had great high moments, who are going to carry forward his message and eventually become great saints. Almost all of them will give their life for the cause. And so this is his final chance to pray for them. Now, I don't know about you, but if I could pray for my children just before I stepped off into heaven, I would see that as a really important prayer. Everything's about to change. Here's his opportunity. So let's read it together because this is just, this is just crazy amazing. So, uh, I do not ask for these only. This is Jesus talking. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that's us. All of the generations later that become followers of Jesus. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Get that? The world is persuaded of Christ not by our great theology or our great preaching or our great buildings or our great music, but by our oneness. Important message, okay? That the world may believe that you are sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. 
This is the heart of it. Jesus longed to have a deeply connected community that was the church. Father, make them one. Of all the things that I would pray about if I were blessing my children and stepping out into eternity, I'm not sure that being one would be on the top of the list. Honestly, and maybe you'd be here too, I would pray that the Lord would give them protection. Watch over them, Lord. Don't let anybody hurt them. Or give them power. You know, Lord, Lord, give them power to do what they, they need to do. Or, or, you know, if you're praying for the body of Christ, oh, Lord, make them smarter than they are. Please make them smarter than they are. You know? I, I don't know that I would pray for oneness. And I, I've pondered this a lot in my, why does he pray for oneness? What, why, what's going on in all of this? And, and I think having grappled with this for a long time, I, I think I've figured out the thing, and that is this. If they have oneness, they'll have all those other things too. If they have oneness with people who are wise, they will get wise advice. If they have oneness with, with people that, that have power that can be exercised for the kingdom, that'll be used for the kingdom. If they have oneness with, if they have whatever it is that we are meant to be together, that he's given little pieces and parts of it for all of us. We, everything we need to be the body of Christ is here. It's just not every person has everything. The person next to you may have what you need to take the next step in your spiritual life. So Jesus said, be one person behind you a couple rows may have the next thing that needs to happen in your spiritual life. So Jesus said, be one. Because if we are one, we have the whole body of Christ. And that seems like a pretty good deal to me. Lord, make them one. Uh, And so I want to, do we got this? Do you get how important this oneness is? This is just so important to us. Uh, in fact, I can't overemphasize how important this oneness is to your spiritual life and to experiencing the very, very good life in life. It's so important that you get this. Be one, be connected, be the body uh, of Christ. And honestly, if I could make you do this, I would make you do this, right? So I can't make you do this. I can't make you do anything. But if I could, this is the one I would say, make them one, Lord. Make them get connected. This is why we're always hitting you up with getting a life group, okay? Get involved. Get connected. Volunteer together. Do something. Because this is a spiritual principle. It really is at the heart of spirituality. So um, I want to now kind of talk about some key components of this as you think about oneness and how you can be connected better. So the key components of authentic church or what I sometimes call Christian community, at the very heart of it is this. Community is about loving and being loved. It's about loving authentically some other people and having some other people that authentically love you. In fact, uh, Jesus, John put it this way. Um, He said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. I've hit this about a billion times in this church, but I've told you from the very beginning, we're never going to be the coolest church, but I want to be the most loving church on the face of the earth. So you're just going to hear it a lot, okay? My new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this is typical Jesus speak, okay? Now, it's a pretty big thing to say, love one another, right? Because some of us are... Well, some of us are harder to love than others. Amen. <laughs> On the front row. Mm. <laughs> Hope she's not talking about me. <laughs> but, but, but listen, Jesus, Jesus does what Jesus always does. If that weren't hard enough, he always pushes it too far. And he goes on to say, as I have loved you, you must love one another. How did Jesus love us? Side died for us. Sacrificially, he gave up himself for us. A new commandment I give you, love one another. And notice it's a new commandment. He's saying all that Old Testament stuff, all those rules, this is what it's really about, loving each 
other. And so the love, we understand, and then the, the one another, which is a really important word for us uh, around here. And so I want to give you a little bit of Greek. Love one another. Uh, and the Greek word is alelon. Say alelon. Alelon. Uh, so love alelon. So turn to your partner, ne person next to you and say love alelon. Yeah, love one another. And, and this is the heart of Christianity, and it's the heart of Christian uh, community uh, for us. And so we, we want to get this, alelon, 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 love one another. Uh, it, it's what we were all, all about. Uh, unfortunately, we live in a world that keeps pulling us apart from one another. Now, not all of that is intentional. Part of it is just, just society. But, but Christ, even in the Old Testament, is trying to push people back together to live in connection with one another rather than isolation from one another. In fact, just as kind of a side note, how many of you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? You know, they're going to build a thing all the way to, to the top and, and meet God kind of a deal. Um, like you'd want to be caught invading heaven. But anyway... Um, there's a subtext in that story, that if you go back and you actually read the story, in which one of the things God is working with is he's saying that living in cities is bad. It's better to live in rural communities. And this will be a theme through, through Scripture. And you kind of go, well, what's that all about? What we know about when you move from a rural community where you live in a small town where everybody knows your name and everybody knows your business is you live in accountability, don't you, Right? Am I the only one that like everybody knew my business and it was like couldn't get away with anything? Remember the old day? I, this is going to really date me. I lived in a community where the neighbors would spank me if I was misbehaving, okay? I'm telling you, everybody knew your business. You don't do that today, you will go to jail, okay? But, but, but that, that kind of business. So what happens when small town kid goes to city and he has got no connections anymore? All of a sudden, the things that would stop him from doing the things that are destructive, the sin in his life, suddenly becomes, ooh, nobody will know. Of course, that's a lie from the devil, but, but that's, and, they get in, and they get in trouble. And so there's this constant push back towards a community. But just let me put on my social, sociologist hat for just a second because this is kind of fun. A sociologists talk about how, how we've gotten away from, from each other. Uh, and you know what? One of the, the very first things, pieces of technology they think that has helped to move us towards isolation rather than community? Way before that. Air conditioning. This is a sermon on the evils of air conditioning, okay? No, it's not a sermon. So I, when I lived in Kansas City, Kansas City gets really, really hot in the summer, like over 100 degrees, 95% humidity, and you cannot sleep in that environment. And so I, my first store, I was a, there's a bunch of guys, uh, African-Americans, that were in the meat department, and they were telling me about the way old days in Kansas City. There's a giant park called Swope Park, uh, and people lived around that, and it was so hot in the summer that they couldn't sleep inside the houses. So they would take their blankets and actually put them in the park, and everybody would do this. And so there'd be all these blankets, and everybody's in the park, because there's a little bit of breeze. And the jazz musicians in those days, African-Americans, couldn't stay in hotels, so they would stay with people. So often in the summer, there'd be these jazz musicians kind of doing these impromptu kind of gigs out there, and everybody's dancing and having a good time, and they, they all slept out there. You think you get to know people if you dance and then sleep next to them? You build community, right? And uh, another sign, how many remember when houses had real porches? You know why they had real porches? So you could sit out there and watch your neighbors and talk to them as they go by, and you could build relationship, and you could build connection. You know how big my porch is on my house? Slightly larger than this table. 
you know, and it's recessed. It's like, we hate it. We really wanted a real porch, but we, we didn't have that kind of a thing. Uh, another thing that has changed is electricity. You can stay up late. It allows for air conditioning. Uh, electronic entertainment. We didn't, it used to be if you wanted to have entertainment before electricity, you had to go do something with people. If you wanted to go to a play, you had to go to a live play. You couldn't go to a movie. There's no movies. Who heard of movies, you know? You'd have to interact with people. You'd, you'd connect with people. And then, of course, things like phones that have come along. How many of you have watched some entertainment on your phone in the last week? If you've opened Facebook, you've watched entertainment, okay? Let's just be real about that. And jobs have changed. There's so many people these days that, that have jobs where you can spend your entire job at home, working from home, and make a great salary. The problem is you're not connected. You've lost the connections. None of these are bad. This is not a sermon against bad, the evils of TV. I'm just telling you, we live in a society that pulls us apart and pulls us apart and it pulls us apart. And the problem with that is this. Love is a team sport and you can't love in isolation. It's a team. Not just you and your wife, or you and your wife and your kids, or you and your wife and your, your, your family. It's meant to be done large. It's meant to be done with people all around you. And so let me just, just I'm going to get myself in trouble with both groups here, but introverts, I'm sorry. Force yourself to reach out. And you extroverts that are laughing, 5,000 friends on Facebook doesn't count as love. Put the phone down. <laughs> Get connected, okay? And, and, and help each other. You know, if, most marriages, one's more of an introvert, one's more of an extrovert, and then somewhere in there. You know, you want to guess which one's the introvert in my family? Jody, yes. <laughs> so help one reach out. The, the, the one that reaches out is the extrovert's good at reaching out, but the introvert is good at building deep relationships. Turns out God had a plan for both in all of that. So get involved. Get, it's a team sport. Reach out, okay? And then a love is a contact sport. Have you noticed this? You can't do it without getting messy and some bruises. <laughs> that creates nervous laughter. If you love someone long enough, I guarantee they're going to hurt you. Yay for love. But it's the nature of the game. Loving means doing it in a real sort of way. It means caring about people. It means sometimes it, it's hard. It means sometimes people are hard to love. Somebody say amen in here, okay? Your spouse won't take it personal. It's just the, the nature of it. And so it has to be done up close and, and personal. And here's some things I know about this kind of love, okay? Uh, because it's about love, authentic Christian community has to become about some things, some other things like knowing and being known. And this is about where my dad would say, boy, you've given up preaching and gone to meddling, you know. I don't want to know those people and I don't want them to know me. You know, I want to hide in my corner. I want in. That's not unfair representation of my dad. My dad was actually the open one. My mom was much more of an, an introvert. Can I, I just be frank? Transparency is dangerous, but it's also spiritual. It's dangerous to be transparent because people will be able to hurt you. And some of you have been hurt. And it kills me that churches have hurt people. And honestly, I know our church has sometimes inadvertently. It's like, oh, we got that wrong. I am so sorry, but I, I can't take it back. But I, I am just here to tell you that, that transparency is key to living the good life. You cannot be transparent with everybody. Please do not be transparent with everybody. But you can have some family that you're transparent with. Knowing and people know, being known. People that know who you really are and people who you know who they really are. 
I'm just going to take a side note here. You pick up more on this when we do Father's Day. Guys, I don't know. I've studied, you know, spirituality and women, but I don't always get it. (laughs) But guys, listen to me. You need at least one other person in your life, one other guy that you are 100% transparent with. It's one of the most powerful spiritual bulwarks against things going wrong. It's one of the most powerful ways that God will speak into your life. I have built this into my life over the years, and it's been super powerful. Just knowing and being known. One other guy you don't hide anything from. Now, you don't need a guy that judges you every time you get it wrong, right? That's the wrong guy. You need a guy that loves you and prays for you, encourages you, and holds you accountable that asks you, how's that going? Just, I just, it's so, so uh, important. In fact, love means knowing their faults and choosing to love them anyway. That's the essence of love. Nobody loves anybody that's perfect. Okay, and if you think that's your spouse gets to love you because you're perfect, you are delusional. So there's your first fault. Okay, it's just it's it's just not like that. It's, it's impossible to love a, a perfect person. And just one little side note again. I am increasingly concerned about this, even in the Christian church. More and more people are putting people out of their lives who are flawed, who are are imperfect, who irritate them, who frustrate them. More and more people get separated over things that really don't matter, like politics. Let me say it again, politics. This, whatever you think about, whatever, this will pass away. The kingdom of God is forever. And I am telling you, I've lived in both very conservative and very liberal communities. God matters more. God matters more. People who will put people out of their lives because of theology. Increasingly, I see a a tendency in the church to be very strict about you have to believe exactly like I believe. And and you don't believe exactly like I believe. You're you're a heretic. We're, We're putting you out of there. I, none of you have given yourself over more to theology with the pastor, pastor Dennis than I have. And I think theology matters a lot. But I am telling you, family matters more. And that's what Jesus said. We could pray for him. He didn't say, Lord, give him good theology or good sermons. It's very disappointing to me sometimes. He said, make them one. And so, uh, knowing and being known. And then, uh, like serving and being served. Everybody needs to serve someone and be served by someone. It's, it's important to our, our lives. You need to sacrifice. The sacrifice for salvation was completed in Jesus Christ, but he wants you to continue to sacrifice. In fact, the very essence of, sacri- of love in the New Testament is sacrifice, self-sacrificing love. Serve somebody else. Serve together. Uh, I, I encourage you to volunteer together. Go from uh, me volunteering to we volunteering. Get your life group together. Get people that are important together and, and serve together and, and volunteer. It's, it's so important. In fact, I just read this week some new research that's come out that says when you serve others, it actually does all kinds of things to your brain, your serotonin levels and all of those sorts of things, and your happiness level. It's helpful if you're depressed, all of those kinds of things. Turns out God wired you up when you do what God says. It's good for you. Imagine a God that would do that, okay? And then, uh, like celebrating and being celebrated. You need people in your life that like you. 
<laughs> Some of you are trying to think about that. I'm like, do I really? You know, I don't know. You need, you need people that celebrate with you, that you do birthday parties, that do stupid things with you. No, don't, don't go too far down that road. They, 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 they care about you. you, you in my, at my stage in life, one of the great things in our life group is it's been fun to the, go to the graduation of some of the kids that are in our life group, the, the kids of the people. I mean, I'm not in a life group with a teenager, but, but their kids are teenagers. And, and to go and celebrate and, and to say yay and to be a part of that, to get together just for fun, to play together. You need those people in your life. And here's what I, I know about this time of year. Summer is the best time to plant family seeds. In the Northwest, this is really, really true. This is the time of year when you can make new friends, make new family. You, you can try stuff out in all of this. And, and you can reach out because this is when all of us get out and socialize. Amen? Yeah, the attendance is down because it's a nice weekend. That's, that's just the reality because a bunch of us are out playing. I don't, I don't have anything against that. I pray for rain on the weekends, but I don't have anything against that, that, kind, of, that kind of thing in our life. I wish I were out there doing that, but I kind of got this gig, you know. Um, and so let me give you some concrete steps. The very first thing uh, to becoming family is invite. You just have to invite. Somebody has to break the ice. Somebody has to say, hey, would you come and be a part of us in some sort of way? And there's all kinds of ways you can invite. You, you can, and one of the, some of the best are recreational sorts of things. So what do you do for recreation? Invite people to join you. If you have a boat and we go boating, invite people to come along on the boat with you. Uh, if you go hiking, invite people to go hiking. If you golf, invite people to go golfing with you. If you do barbecue, invite people to have barbecue with you. What, whatever it is you do, you just, you just kind of invite them. You know, or, may, or maybe, you know, you're a person that likes to go to coffee a lot. You know, I, I bet that if I asked you to raise your hand, there would be a whole bunch of coffee snobs in our, in our community here, right? Some of you are volunteering already. Yeah, that's me. Coffee snobs. Invite somebody to coffee. You say, well, it feels kind of awkward. So I got a solution to that. We're going to fix that right now. I officially empower you to say, pastor's making me ask people, would you come to coffee with me? You don't have to look them in the eye. You just, you blame it on me. It's okay. Pastor's making us do that. You know, you might discover a brand new friend. And then the second part of that is, is this. Uh, the second step is say yes. So if somebody comes to you and says, pastor's making me ask, would you come to coffee with me? I expect you to say, yes, pastor's making me say yes. Okay. <laughs> See how great this is for our church? I'm only half kidding. I really am only half kidding. The problem with, with most of us is that we just never get the first steps. Because once you get the first steps, you go, hey, we like to talk about this, and we like to talk about this, and you make friends. Then, then it's downhill from that. But it is the first step that's the killer. It's the one I can't get people to make. So I've just gone to be an ornery about whole, the whole thing. In fact, I, I just, I, I just want to tell you, if I could make you do this, I would. I would just have like a whole Sunday service, we lock everybody in here, and you cannot leave until you've asked two people to something and you've said yes to two people, you know, and, and that's your ticket out. You've got to write their name down and say what we're going to do. We're going to coffee on Tuesday, you know. You know, that's not a bad idea. No, never mind. No, don't do but here's what I know. Family doesn't happen accidentally. Remember we began with God always works in partnership with you? That it matters in this place as well. You will need to reach out to experience the community that is the church, the body of Christ, the family, the loving, deeply committed community. And it will be hard to love some other people. I guarantee you God will put at least one weird uncle in your, your series of people. But it's okay. Maybe he put them there because you needed to learn to love in a new way.
Just, just a thought. I know that's sacrilege, but just a, a thought. And so I want to encourage you this summer, invite some people. Say yes to some people. Reach out. Figure it out. Don't wait for somebody to invite you. You start and get connected. Find somebody in the church that, that, that you go, ah, I think I'd like to get to know that person. And if there's nobody like that, then invite your friends to church, okay? You like our church? Invite your friends. Become a, a part of what we want to do because it will not happen accidentally. Amen? We are family. Let's say it again. We are family. Look to the person next to you say, you are family. All right. I want to pray for you. And we are going to worship the Lord in giving in just a second. Uh, where's the woohoo that's supposed to go with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've been letting down while I was gone, weren't you? Okay. Uh, so we're going to worship the Lord in giving. Uh, if you would put your communication cards in, that would really, really help us. And if you're a guest, that would especially help us connect with you. We'll follow up with an email. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, if you're looking for a church that's all about loving God and loving people, uh, we would love to have you be a part of Generations Community. Now, just a little bit of instructions before we go here. Um, my health is doing great, but the way these fall, I am on the bottom of my immune-suppressed time. Uh, during this Sunday and during next Sunday. And so I kind of talked this over with my doctors and they're really glad about how I'm doing. But when I told them that I pastored a church, they said, a really little church? And I said, no. And they said, yeah, you cannot do the foyer kind of a thing. And so as much as I would love, it kills me because I love to shake your hand and I, I love to pray for you and listen to you and be a part of your life. The doctors have just said, absolutely not. Uh, and so I am not going to be in the hall. When we get done here, I'm going to go back to my office office and probably the car and go home uh, because I don't want to catch something during this time. That would be really, really bad for me. Um, and so, so here's the deal. If I can't do it, you have to do it. Okay. Everyone, if you greet somebody, welcome somebody. If there's a guest around you, make sure they feel welcome and loved and, and a part of us and just reach out to people. So while I'm going through this, I'm going to ask a little more of some of you. And I saw some of your introverts are like, oh, It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Make your extrovert spouse help you in, uh, through it. Uh, so we want to just ask you to do that. So they did give me a really good idea because I, I, uh, I know some of you are huggers, you know. Uh, and you know, I always struggle with this. So they introduced me to the idea of an air hug. So I'm going to air hug. We're all going to air hug. You ready? Okay. Let's air hug. Oh, yeah, my new favorite kind of hug. <laughs> Thank you for the poster back there. We love you, Pastor Craig. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for all that you're doing for us. We really do love you. I think one of the things that I dislike most when the Sundays I can't be here is I don't get to say, God loves you, I love you. Go and love each other. Let me, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these good people. Thank you, Father, for your word that is the foundation, your Holy Spirit that guides us in all of that. But, Father, thank you so much for the church. And you know that in the years of our lives for Jody and I, most of the time we were not very close to family, and so... The church had to be that for us, and, and I feel so passionate about that because the church has been that for us. And I know lots of these people are already experiencing it, Father, but I, I pray for those that are not, that are experiencing loneliness, that, that wonder if how connected they are. And, and Father, I, I just pray that you give them the courage to invite and to invite the right people and that you'd cause people to say yes and other people to invite them, Father. I just pray, Lord, that you would make us one. <laughs> I feel out of control, Lord, because I can't be here all the time. And so I pray what you prayed. Make them one, Father, that the world might know you. And we ask it in the name of the Father and the Son. Amen. Let's worship the Lord in giving.